Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Aviation RC New Podcast. My name is Joe. My name is Matt. And tonight we are, um, what are we talking about tonight, Matt? We're coming at you from 2023, the very first episode of this year, and we're going to talk about getting started. It is episode 67 of the Aviation RC New Podcast. Right. So go back to episode one, listen to that, and then you can just skip this episode, right? Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't think you can. I, I'm trying to think of, did we ever do a get it getting started episode? Like how to get in? I think we did. That was like episode yeah, I think two. We did. two. I, think, I think that was episode one. No, episode one was us talking about why we're doing a darn thing and that how we got started, zero. how we got into this. And then episode two uh, is look it up. how you can get in and where to go and get stuff. Terminology. Mm. Let me go look it up real it's quick. It's a whole list. It's amazing. Mm. That's okay. Um, I won't hold anybody's feet to the fire if you don't. <laughs> I know. was there. Yeah, I just <laughs> have a couple of things. Literally, episode one is called Getting Started. That sounds like a pretty good episode. Oh, for the love of Pete. It, it was an early episode. Anyway, so. Um, that was in reference started, to my cat who decided now when we get started is the time to bug me at the door. Oh, nice. Do you need to let him out real quick? Uh, apparently I do. Mm -hmm. <sighs> he is persistent. Which right. one is that? Uh, squirrel. Uh, he paused yeah. at the door and he meows and he meows and he paws. Um, but we're good. We're good. Okay. So just what, what are we talking about? Just different. What do you mean? Well, it's been know. a long time. Okay. And there's some things that have gotten uh, that are new. Some products that are new. Some okay. plans that have kind of come along the way that are better ways to get started in the hobby than there were. Um, so sort of revisiting the getting started concept just in 2023 yeah, with some new products, maybe that have come out. Uh, yep. Yeah, some of that. Um, and uh, the other thing is, you know, there's a couple people, um, that have asked me pretty recently about, and kind of were lamenting about all the different things, the troubles of getting started. And the costs of everything. And it's like, oh, yeah. It's been a while since I've had to think about a lot of those things because we've been in it for a while now. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I wanted to kind of revisit it and look at, like, well, what does it take? You know, what does it cost to kind of get in with, you know, de decent quality, quality stuff, at least decent enough, um, mm -hmm. where you can learn and, and reliably get started with equipment that you're not just going to throw out the second, you know, the second you can afford it. Right. Which as we were looking at some of the stuff, I was like, yeah, I couldn't, I don't know that I'd see that lasting very long. Yeah. Um, if right. you move beyond, you know, the extremely basic, but right. Yeah. I mean, you can go, then, I don't know, way basic, but for the extra 15 or $20, you can, uh, get a pretty, pretty decent quality thing. And if you want to spend a little bit more, you can really get in. And have something that, I mean, I haven't changed my Radio Master since I bought it. I have no desire to upgrade. 
uh, it's doing pretty good for me. So, oh yeah, and in all honesty, I could still be running off my Turnigy. Um, the Radio Master just has some niceties that, uh, that I enjoy. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, we're so. gonna talk a little bit about that. I mean, is it gonna be breaking any no, anything new? Um, I've looked at a bunch of reviews of people who said this is these are the best beginner aircraft for, uh, you know, twenty twenty three. Uh, a couple different ones, and they kind of echo a lot of what I was seeing and how what I felt. Okay. And they had a couple planes in there that uh, I haven't tried. I haven't seen anybody fly it to know if it it really stands up to the hype. Uh, but we can talk about it real quick. Um, so it's it's not going to be terribly long, but it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a moment. Um, but as we always do, uh, we kind of talk about a little bit what we've been doing in our journey. And I think the other part of this episode is you and I talking about, um, last episode we kind of talked about what we thought we were going to do and how we how we measured up. And so this is the episode where we look forward to this year and say, what is it you and I are going to try and do? like a new year's resolution as it were for us regarding the hobby, our, is our that, time in the hobby, not, not the podcast, but, but us. Okay. I was going to say, is that sufficiently different than basically what next episode is going to be? But it sounds like if we're focusing the question on what are we doing individually yeah. Yeah. and then what are we wanting to do as a podcast next episode? Okay. Yeah. Or something. If it's not next episode, yeah, it'll be next episode. <laughs> Only add 14 days. It, it's that approximate time of year. Yeah, yeah we're there. It's about that time. Yeah. Three so, years. Man, three years. We're almost there. <laughs> I can't believe it. Uh, my wife could. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's a smart cookie, so what do you expect? Yeah. You know. All right. Good. So what have we been up to? Uh, a couple weeks ago, so... The actually the day the last episode went live, if I remember correctly, we had a build party. Yep, we had a build party. Um, that was ringing in the new year. Yep. And Happy New Year. I was like, man, what's that for? How how is it the eleventh? But I, I forget we're recording early. Uh, well, ish. We're not releasing the same day we're recording, so <laughs> we released on oh, uh, December thirty first, and so I was actually in channel. All day. Now, I wasn't I know necessarily at the keyboard the whole time. Um, I think at one point I muted my mic and took a snooze. Yep. Um, I had some folks in and out throughout the day. Nice. Uh, and then the evening was pretty much just me. But we had a fairly decent showing yeah, uh, so. for the day part of it. Yeah, there was a there was a bunch of really great discussions that kind of went along. Um, i trying to think. Uh, I can't even remember what I did now. That's why I took notes. Hold on. <laughs> uh, I know well, I was I know, working I, on repairing the special K because when uh, right before, uh, I guess right before we got together and recorded the episode, or right after, you were coming up to play D and D, and with mm -hmm. that, you brought a couple planes, and, uh, and then we went out and flew. Um, so that's kind of what that's probably the biggest part about what we did. Oh right? yeah, we didn't talk about that. No, because, because that it, was after we recorded. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, let's finish talking about the build party. Okay. That, yeah. So, yeah, we, we had a decent show. I know, like, Richard was there, and uh, what Jesse came out, mm -hmm. and 
Apis. Uh, and, t- Tony was out there for a little while. We got Sasha running out and saying, hey. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Speederbike Dave jumped in for a minute. Um, Sounds about right. I, I think he was he was busy doing a bunch. Of, I know Oliver came in there, and same with Quinn Perks. Um, Quinn Perkins that, and, and Matthew, I think, Bushhawk. He jumped in. I'm like, what, what time is it in South Africa right now? And he's like, <laughs> I shouldn't be up. And I'm like, okay. I just want to make sure never be up. I know. I was like, I'm so sorry, buddy. But yeah, we we got a chance to talk to all those guys. Oliver. So Quinn Perks was on the sim, and he was doing some 3D maneuvering and stuff in the sim, which was Mm -hmm. really cool. And I had uh, a new friend who's who's uh, shown interest in the hobby, and she she just kind of wanted to see a little bit about what it's about. and so I was like, well, you, know, you can come to the build party with me just to kind of hang out with me and and you'll just kind of get a sense. Um, and so she was watching Quinn do some of the maneuvers. And so she's like, whoa, look at that. Like, holy cow. And I mean, that's how you and I, Joe, feel. Like every time we watch those guys do their 3D uh-huh. stuff, like what in the world? Like, holy cow. And they're like, well, whatever. You know, I'm just doing some stuff. And you're like, wow. Yeah, I'm just playing around. I'm just, it's whatever. Man. I know, right? And, and so, you know, we're sitting there and then, I guess he had to move on and, and do some different things or whatever, and um, and and it, which was awesome. And again, we we both were like, "Hey, thanks for showing that. That was really cool." Um, mm-hmm. And then Oliver's like, "Yeah, I just arrived at the field. I got my stuff, and he was doing it in real life. Like he had his models flying 3D right in front of the camera. <laughs> He'd like <laughs> bring it right out to where his camera was sitting and kind of hover for a little that. bit. Yeah, man, you missed all sorts of good things. I don't know where you went, but you you ditch out for a minute." I had something to do. Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, look, you were there all day. What do you want? Um, but it just yeah. so happened, uh, I think it was probably around like 2 o'clock or something, um, maybe 1 o'clock. But it, we were um, – so we were watching them, and, and you know, she was like, holy cow. I'm like, yeah, that's how I feel. But they were talking shop <laughs> about 3D uh, 3D flying and 3D flying styles. And, and, of course, with that discussion, I've been talking to Oliver and Quinn about which model – should I start with as a beginner? Like I don't fly 3d. I don't even know how to do it. Well, so I asked him, I said, what what kind of model do you want? Should I get? And they told me that I should go. One thing I can do is go to JTA innovations. I'm not, we're not plugging. They don't, they don't, uh, there's no sponsorship or anything, but it's like a, I think, was it a EPP or it's some sort of fairly durable foam. And it's like a flat, you know, profiler, uh, 3D model, and it's got a uh, pretty intricate uh, printing on it, and it came in the other day. I almost forgot that I'd ordered it. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and so and it uses uh, standard diagram servos. It, uh, I think, if I wanted to be more durable, I think they said, you know, we usually use a Metal Gear because uh, they tend to, but the the plane is really light, and then it uses a standard uh, 2205 quadcopter motor mm-hmm. with a with 12 amp ESC or 15 amp or whatever it is. And that's it. And I said, yeah, it's just, it's a way to kind of get started and get your feet wet. And, you know, you're not going to, uh, the kit comes with everything you need, the, the carbon fiber and all that kind of stuff. Um, it doesn't come with the motors and all that, but. How much was the kit? Um, I want to say it was like, oh, I want to say it was like 80 bucks. I'm going to check on it now, but it was like anywhere between 80 and a hundred dollars, I think. Um, okay. and it's, uh, I'll just double check it here. But kind of kind of pricey it's, for it's a, a thirty-two inch extra JD or thirty-three inch. Okay. 
That's uh, 90 bucks. And like I said, it comes with all the carbon fiber. It comes with like landing gear. Uh, it comes with a uh, printed and it's all cut out and it's all ready to go. Um, we're ready to put on the motor, a couple servos and get it in the air. Hmm. Um, I know it still seems, seems, still seems kind of pricey for a profile for me. I get it. I do get it. But at the same point, um, you know, I wanted to see what this was all about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't fault you. I'm just, and it's, uh, it's time. It's time for me to give it a try. It's EPP. Okay. And which means it's like, it's stupid durable, um, which is exactly what you need. So you put a, if I put a quadcopter prop on it, I think they, uh, they had a recommendation of, they have a certain kind of, uh, slow fly 3d prop. It's like eight or nine inches, which is typically mm -hmm. too big for that size motor. But because of how it's, I guess how it's spinning all that stuff, it's actually not a big deal. Um, I think they, they didn't have the prop available. So I'm going to have to look for that separate. Um, anyway, so they recommend, you know, again, came highly recommended. Both of those guys who have mad skill were like, yeah, that's a solid model. It's worth getting. Uh, so I'll, I'll be reporting back, I guess, in the coming weeks as to what my experience is. But with that, uh, the last couple of days, once it arrived, I'm like, oh, I better get on the sim. Because <laughs> I'm not interested in busting this model the second I get it out of the box. So, And you actually seem to be picking it up pretty good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was able to at least hover for a little while. And I, I was trying to do some rolling harriers, which I was starting to get the hang of it, I think. Um, but most importantly, uh, kind of putting it in a hover and being able to come out of it without crashing um, is, I think, where I'm going to where I'm starting. Uh, I asked those guys to see if they could give me kind of a. Uh, I, I, I'm, my thought is in the next couple of weeks, as I kind of get deeper into it, we might have one of those guys come on and or both of them and just kind of help us through maybe a, a primer of how to get started with that and have success. Cause they, I mean, they both said like within less than a year, they were going full tilt on that with full scale and being very successful. And you know, yeah, everybody's yeah, look here. At, look at their age. What, what are you saying? Are you saying that this old guy here right, right now can't, can't keep up? Are you saying? Yeah. This, this old <laughs> guy too. <laughs> Why are you surprised? Because <laughs> I'm amazing. Come on now. No, um, no, yeah, they're You're they're both right. they're both young guys. Um, so obviously better better reflexes than this uh, this whole guy for sure. But um, no, but there's you know they they said you know throttle management and using rudder uh, is your first first goal. Mm -hmm. um, I could see that. Yeah. Anyway, so so that's that's definitely something that started. Um, I, we, um, there's been some movement on the special K. I was able to, uh, with that, I realized that there was a, a deficiency in the servos that I put in the special K. So I picked up bigger ones, a little bit more, um, powerful servos. Maybe we should go ahead and talk about its flight. Uh, so folks okay. know why there was a problem and we'll just... We just gotta say that's what we were doing for build party was fixing that, and yeah. I was building. I was building on the flurkin. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's yeah the the day that so we recorded, and then the Thursday we went out to play D and D, and Friday morning we went out to fly. <laughs> it's a it's a busy. Holiday. But that's yeah, that's uh, how it went. So. Yeah. Okay. So and then so we brought out. Uh, you brought up. Uh, which plane did you bring up? 
I brought up the simple sore. You brought it, yeah. Uh, and by the way, you did an excellent job building it. It looks uh, really good. Well, thank I you. I hope you're proud of it. I am happy with it. I was concerned about how I had how I had to handle all the electronics on the nose. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was just jank or if it no, was okay. That's kind of how it is. You you seem to be okay with it. No, I, that's kind of how it is. You just stuff it as far forward as you possibly can. It, oh, is it was forward. Was, yep, you were pretty much almost cutting all the <laughs> cutting all the battery off with it. Um, yeah, so you brought that, and I had the special K ready to go. Um, I was I, I think the night before, whatever that morning early, I, I did a quick just double check that the motors were set in the right direction and whatnot. So anyway, so we got that, and we went out to my flying field. And that's the first time you've been out to my flying field. And it is. I, and it was funny because, you know, it's it's Friday. It was the week in between Christmas and New Year. And you're sitting there like, man, there's going to be a ton of people. I don't know if I'm interested in flying. I'm like, dude, nobody's ever at our field unless it's like Sunday between 11 and 2. I don't understand it, but it's pretty much the way it is. I mean, that's not always entirely true. But the people who were there on the other times, like, they're usually quite chill. Um but yeah, I was out, we, when we went out there, there was absolutely nobody out there. It was just the three of us, you, me, and your wife. Um, yeah, which that was nice of her to come along. Yeah, it was really cool. And she she took a bunch of great photos. I'm really excited for that because we never, she's like, you guys never get pictures of you guys because it's just you. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess we never really do. So she took some good photos, and I appreciate that. Tell her thanks again. We'll do. So you were getting your simple sword again. You're like, why don't you, why don't you take special K out? Um, and so we got it set up. I think we had to rep- uh, change out props before we got it in the air, but just to make sure that they were going the appropriate direction or tightening the screw down and nothing was getting loose. And then so, you know, it was like 30% throttle. It started to roll out and in short order, it was in the air. Um, and it just took off nice and easy. Um, you know, about like three quarters, uh, uh, basically like a two or three o'clock angle from the, the flight line, which was like heading right towards the sun. I'm like, oh, I better turn it. And so, you know, just gently <laughs> turned it around and, and did, I think, it, I think I got about a lap. Kind of, I did a little bit of adjustments. So there's a tiny bit of trim I had to do. But yeah, you, did a, you did a, um, a low sweep. Yeah. And then I kind of brought it around because the trim was in good shape. So I kind of brought it in a little low. I brought it past and it was flying great. Um, and then I realized like, as I was going, I was trying to gun it, get a little bit extra speed. And then I realized like the fat, when I got it past about 50, 55%, the motors were good, but the servos weren't responding. And I felt that exact same thing last time I flew, you know, the six cell variant of, uh, of the dragon, Dollar Tree dragon, uh, what was it? Reptile dragon. Mm-hmm. The one that uh, Chris had designed, and uh, I'm like, oh, right. we overpowered the servo. Put the six cells in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when I did that, and we were cruising, it was like, whoa! And I was like, no, nice. And like, oh, can't do anything with the elevator. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So in this case, it was uh, I couldn't really do a whole lot with either of the servos. So you just kind of flew level, um, which isn't bad, except uh, you better want to go serve uh, level, you know. Um, you know, I just kind of, well, all I did was bring back the throttle a little bit and I get control back and everything. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to be careful with this. 
Um, I knew that the power, I'm like, we're going to have to change out the servos on this, but let me fly it a little bit more because it's, it's still doing well. It's just re- flying real gentle. Uh, but it, mm-hmm. uh, so how did, how did it look on your side? Oh, it looked great. Yeah, it, it looked good. It seemed to be flying well for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't really pick up on the sluggishness of it in responding to you, right. but then I'm not the one on the sticks. Right. Yeah. You weren't realizing like I'm hard left and it's only kind of gently turned a little bit. It's mm-hmm. like, Oh, these servers are having a hard time. Um, and then but I realized I'm also that- not the one that put it into a Ooh, loop. Well, okay. So what I realized is when I started to gun it, it would start to climb. I mean, that's kind of generally how it works. Um, unless the CG is dead. Perfect. Um, usually the faster you go, the more, uh, the more up you get, basically more lift you have, and it's a little in front of the CG, so that'll bring you nose up. So I was like, mm-hmm. well, let me just nose up. I'm like, well, I don't really want to stall out. So why don't I just go over and, uh, you know, I'll just do a gentle, like a real slow loop, and uh, and then I'll kind of bring it out, and I'll bring it around and, and, you know, land it. And I came around the loop, and then it started to dive, and it started to gain speed, and then it kept gaining speed, which means the servos weren't responding. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> oh, no, fatal flaw. What did I do? <laughs> Stinky. Uh, and I was like, well, and I, I cut, off the, cut off the throttle, hoping that the drag will kind of slow it down just enough to get enough response. And it was starting to get a little bit of elevator control as it was coming close to the ground, but I wasn't able to pull it out fast enough to get it level. Um, and it, it parted in it, it, part of the field a little bit <laughs> with the nose of the plane. Um, we, I think when we went out there, we uh, noticed that we busted the props. Um, they were definitely yep. done. There was some sand in one of the motors. There's some sand in some of the plane. The nose was crinkled. But otherwise, I mean, the rest of the plane was in great shape. And there really wasn't much to it. And the, the crinkling really wasn't, it's not a big deal to uh, kind of, uh, I'm basically open up the nose a little bit and I'm going to put, um, kind of formers and, and along the leading edge to kind of regain the shape mm-hmm. and it'll be like new. Um, you know, the battery kind of slam forward and pull all the electronics, uh, disconnected a bunch from the receiver. <laughs> I was like, Oh man, but the battery is in good yeah. shape. Um, and there was a little, I think there's a little hole in the bottom where the battery poked out, um, near the nose, but that's easy. No, that's already fixed. A little bit of glue and some tape, and it was in good, good working order. So I'm ready at this point. Uh, I took a little bit of time. I replaced the servos. I refished all the wires, and so now I'm ready. I'm ready to go back out there uh, and see, you know, what I can do with it now. It's uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I, I have a feeling um, that it's gonna be a, a real fun, easy FPV model, and we're gonna do some stupid things like. Um, maybe put multiple cameras and do bomb drops and stuff. You think so? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of the point of that model. Because um, it's going to be the predecessor. We're going to make, a, I'll call it a fun version for combat for Flight Fest. Um, okay. So that was the whole point of building that is to kind of see how that flies and and what we want to do and tweak. And I say we as in... Uh, uh, Kilroy 07 uh, Tim and I are going to make a couple big combat models 
Is that that's our at least our that was our plan. <laughs> but we mm. all know how plans work. Anyway, so so that was kind of build one of these, say off flies, see what we want to tweak to it, and then start on that that combat model. So we're gonna see what we can do with it. Um, now that it's built and I've seen how it flies, I'm really excited uh, to see uh, the combat model. Let's see how that works. Well, it'll be a good time. Yeah, and then and okay, so then we kind of walked out the field. We assessed the damage, brought it in. I realized that it'd be doing fine, and I'm like, well, you know, you got a simple soar right there. Let's let's get you in the air, man. So how'd that go? It went. It went well, um, which I didn't think it wouldn't. Well, okay. Well, um, what did you expect it was going to do? I had been, I had been struggling with it flying more nose down than I wanted. Um, okay. It just wasn't, it just wasn't gliding very well. What, was that um, more because like CG deal or it was CG? Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I, I had, put the CG right on the wing spar or slightly forward. So it was like tipping nose down mm-hmm. when, when you go to check it. So I shifted it back and had it right on the threshold of maybe it's starting to be tail heavy, right? Which kept it loftier when you pulled out a throttle. Right. Um, now I, we talked about doing a mix where, cause now when you throttle up, it wants to it wants to climb that nose wants to go way up and right. so you're holding the nose down right. uh or while you're while you're while you're throttled up but then you back off and you're having to pull the nose up right. because all your speed's gone so you and i talked about me maybe going into my transmitter and setting up uh one of my slide channels or slide mm. um knobs to be an adjustment for sort of like a, a like trim a, for my elevator, but then have it on a multi switch on a multi position switch. So right. that when I engage it, it automatically like Sets noses to, up or noses down right. based on where I have that slide set. That way, when I go to engage the engine, I turn on that switch and it automatically noses down for me uh, just to keep it for just a, uh, counteract the nose up of the motor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was that, and it now that ended up flying very nicely. Um, there really weren't any updrafts to be had. Yeah, I, there, there's like a little bit. It was a cloudless sky. It was really beautiful. Yeah. Um, but that also means that there's not a whole lot as far as updraft. So, um, so got to fly a bit, and then I ended up handing it to you and insisting that you fly it. Right. And I'm like, dude, it's your plane, man. Go enjoy it. And you're like, no, no, I want you to fly. And you I fly. Went, and I did. And it was a lot of fun. I, I think I found the edges of some really small thermals. I think it caught like a tiny bit, but for the most part, yeah, there really wasn't much out there, but it was, it flew really well. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was, uh, and it, honestly, mine flies very much the same way with the trim, um, where you kind of have to have either, it trimmed perfectly for for regular throttle, or trimmed perfectly for soaring, and you just know you got to be on the stick, the elevator, with one of those settings, right? Yeah. Um, I I I know that there's got to be a better way to trim it out, and balance it out so that you don't have to. Um, but I haven't been able to find it yet. So, but it reminded me like, no, nah, I really should go back and do something with my simple soar. And I think I have a, 
I'll call it a weak tail. The the joint between the stabilizers and the boom, um, that joint, if if it does a couple um, rougher landings, it'll tend to get weak. And so I, I need to go reinforce mine because it's a little weak. I think I had one or two landings that weren't as uh, level and sweet as I like them. There was like right. a, a couple, uh, like a like a tip strike, and it kind of did a little bit of a cartwheel. It's like oh, um, so it's not it's not super strong there, um, but you also want to try to keep as much weight out of that as possible. You know, because that's that's where you're gonna have issues balancing it if you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was good. Um, and so what? I, one of the things I remember you remarking, I'm like, yeah, you can you can fly this thing for like ever. And you're like, no way. And then we were, well, we I flew mean, it for for like 15 minutes solid, didn't we? Yeah, and I knew it could be flown for a while. Like I, I didn't disbelieve you. Okay. Um, I don't think I knew. I didn't think I was going to get that much flight time out of it that day. Okay. But remember way back, I flew your simple soar right on the edge of that nasty thunderstorm that was rolling in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we had a hard time getting it down. Yeah, we did. Yeah, you hit a you hit something and went up. You were, yeah, it up, up, and away <laughs> she went. I'm like, yeah, you got to kind of spoil the air. Yep. Yeah. I forgot about that. But yeah, I mean, you can, you can really, I told you, I said that, that 1300 batter or whatever it was you had. Like that thing will last you a good twenty minutes, easy. Mm-hmm. And if you're careful with it and you catch a thermal, like you can have much longer. Um, yeah, it'd be good. Um, I know the other thing is the other night, I've been looking at the Hobby King Vampire since it came out. I don't know how many years ago. Now, what's the vampire? Um, the Haviland Vampire DH one hundred, I think, and it's an EDF model that Hobby King put out. It's like a 70 millimeter EDF. It's foamy <clears throat> and everybody who has flown it loves it. It's basically like a glider is kind of how it flies. It's a good luck getting it down. Uh, it'll pretty much fly forever. Even though it's an EDF, they say like the flight times are about 15 minutes. Okay. Which is pretty unheard of for EDFs. Usually kind of suck down the battery real quick. Um, Cause they say most of the time you don't really need much throttle at all. You're just kind of cruising it at low, at low throttle. Um, so we were looking at it and one of the things that, you know, I was like, oh, it's $170, 160 bucks or whatever it was. And I was like, nice. That's, that's the price I want. I'm in. And it, you know, has all the motor and all stuff. I put it in the cart and I hit, yeah, how much is it to get to me? And they said, a hundred dollars or $120 or something like that. I'm like, what? Get out of here. Like, no way. And they're like, well, if you send it from the USA warehouse, it'll, it could be 200 bucks. I'm like, yeah, but. It's only available in the Hong Kong one. And then so we, you know, I was talking to Jesse a little bit and we we're looking at it and we're like, yeah, that, that stinks. Cause I, well, it's probably worth like maybe two fifty, eh, three, three is a little bit too much. You know what I mean? It's like, Arr. so we looked and then, well, all the USA warehouse had was parts, but they had all the parts. They had the wings, the boom, the fuselage, the canopy. The, the tail cross piece, the horizontal stab, mm-hmm. and, you know, servos. And, you know, they had an EDF, but you can get them far cheaper, and they will sound even better from a different source for about the same price. And I was like, you know what I think I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going to get all the parts. <clears throat> so I ended up putting enough in the cart to get free shipping. And <laughs> and so I've got a, 
a vampire in parts on its way. Uh, motor should arrive at about the same time. So when it gets here, I'll be able to put it together as a bonus. I've got a, a not an ugly stick, but it's a stick variant um, uh, version coming in. I think that operates on a CPAC or something like that. So I've got I've got those motors available to put on. Um, so with a little bit extra, I was able to basically get a vampire for maybe not 160 or whatever it was they were going to send it to me for, uh, or they, they priced it out for. It's like I think when we figured it out, it was about 200. But uh, yeah, uh, I was happy with that. That was a price I could nice. get behind. So I'm excited to get that <laughs> in and put together and fly because it's again everybody who's uh, talked about it. I think Richard talked about it. Jesse's got one, and there's a number of other people who I've heard talk about it. Who are like, man, that's a great plane. It's worth getting. Hmm. So it's been on my radar for years, uh, and I was just trying to figure out how to get it to me at a reasonable price, and I did. So, so there you go. So those are those are things that kind of I'm on. Uh, that's basically what I'll be working on in the next couple of weeks. I'm sure is a 3d plane and the, the vampire and flying the, the special K and enjoying it. Well, then we want to talk about some potential upcoming build nights. Uh, yeah, let's um, talk about a little bit about the community stuff and then, uh, yeah, let's do that. And then we can get into it. So you're looking at a, uh, tentative January the twenty seventh, yeah, um, standard time eight to eleven Eastern. Yeah, uh, I mean right okay. now these are all, all eight to eleven. I'm thinking I'm going to switch some of the February ones to be mid afternoon. Okay, uh, we we slash you because February kicks off. Bilduary. Bilduary 2023. Join in, have fun, go out to the flight test forums. I, I put out a page for FTFC, that's Flight Test uh, Forum Community uh, or Forum Challenge uh, 23, so 2023, Bilduary Build-Off Challenge. And it's basically build four flight test planes. I really don't have to be flight test, but build four planes in four weeks. Get them flying. Can I take a quick uh, video of them flying? And by flying, we're using that in air quotes. Get it off the ground. Have it sustain <laughs> uh, off the ground for at least a little bit. Um, and good luck, because four weeks goes by awful quick. Yes, it does. But uh, a lot of what I've noticed is even the people who didn't really do a lot, they sound all disappointed. There's a lot of people who are worried about, I guess, feeling like they failed the challenge. But the challenge is kind of coming up with four planes you want to build and doing your best to get them built and really being engaged with that community as we do that. Um, so the build nights are kind of an excuse for us all to get the chance to talk about what we're doing and, and get opportunities to build. Um, and, and everybody's welcome to just join in and talk and build with us. If you're not doing the challenge, you're welcome to join into the, whatever we're doing build-wise. Um, but I urge you to give it a try. You'd be surprised. And as I under as I understand it, the the whole point is even if you don't build any, and all you did was get some plans together, figure out what planes it was you wanted to build, mm -hmm. you're still a step closer to having some planes, planes being built. Yeah, so that and having it them ready served its purpose. That's it. Yeah, that's the point. 
So yeah. I'm hoping so. So that so I set up uh, February third, seventeenth uh, and fifteenth. I think um, so. Basically, just most every weekend, I'll probably uh, be February third, seventeenth, and twenty fifth. Twenty fifth. What did I say? Twenty third. The fifteenth. Oh, man, <laughs> you're bad tonight, man. Oh, it's a, it's um. I, I guess my head's not in it. I don't know what's going on there. Oh, is that coffee? Oh yeah, it's coffee. Oh. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I could use some. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then <laughs> there's there's dates thrown at the board for March and April. Um, let's, let's just say that Matthew and I are going to try to, I, we can kind of talk about this more in the next episode, but we're going to try to give more heads up for build parties. Yeah. So we've got some ideas for dates in, in future months. Uh, beyond what we've talked about that we'll try to lock down a little better and give guys you know more notice on that kind of thing absolutely so i think we're we're figuring out the first weekend and maybe third weekend in march and then midway through april is what we're tentatively talking about but uh we'll firm those up in the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. um, but yeah so generally we want to make sure that we've got build nights out a couple months out so that way you can kind of set aside some time We'd love to see if you haven't been in one. We'd love to see you out and and talk and stop shop with us. Speaking of community stuff, yeah. um, the noob wonder have we made have we locked anything down on that? I did not get a moment to look through um, our Discord. I did not get a chance to look through our Discord and see if there were other ideas that um, I, th- I thought might be either uh, worth incorporating or doing instead of what we had. But I, I think I think you and I talked about an idea I think we're happy with. A very plain square-ish wing, but with the uh, wings from our logo as the tail feathers. Mm-hmm. And then working on a skin that goes with it. And Richard okay. came up with a pretty good skin idea, I thought. Did he? I hadn't been uh, watching that channel too closely. Yeah, you know, he, he did. I, I like what he put together there. Uh, and you're welcome. If you're um, listening to this and you've got a couple of ideas, uh, if you wanted to take a, a stab at what a noob wonder would look like, love to hear it. Okay. Well, then, uh, sounds like fairly... In the fairly near future, we'll be getting that over to uh, Dan for him to finalize, and then we'll be able to get it out to folks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and we want to get it out uh, before February, if we can, so that way we can, if you wanted to build one as part of your build jewelry challenge, we would love it, and then you basically keep it uh, with you, uh, or maybe build another one, uh, and then bring it out to Flight Fest if you're coming out, because we're going to have a gaggle fly in. Nice. Yeah. All right. Um, let's talk for a few minutes about our, well, last thing. Um, sounds like you're more up to speed on this than I am, but uh, Ron and Tom with RC Plane Lab are doing an Aerostar Streak build challenge. You want to talk about that Le- for a uh, second? An Electra Streak, yep. Um, I'm sorry, I, I misquoted it, but I have a link here that goes directly to it. Um, we'll put a link in the doobly-doo there. Um, it's, uh, an old model called an Electra streak and, uh, Ron was putting together short kits for it. Um, but basically it's a, it's just one of those great flyers 
and it's easy to build, and that way everybody kind of has one ready for, for their field to fly with and enjoy. Okay. <laughs> and for clarification, because I did go by their website, I don't think they're selling shortcuts. No. I think they just have a he, short list of materials. Um, Originally, he he that's closed by now. He's he's like, yeah, we don't have, I don't have enough time. To be able to do all this, if, if, if he was, they were announcing it uh, about a month ago, and if you, if I was on it or you were on it with me, um, we could have ordered, um, basically had him cut out a, a short kit for us. Oh wow! Yeah, um, but I, I wasn't on it. I, I had it. I was like, that would be awesome. And then yeah, so basically, it says uh, it, they wanted to set it up at the beginning of January 2023, so they give it gives everybody enough time to get the project finished. Um, and you know they're going to set up a couple dates in their uh, Discord forum. And he said it gives it gives them enough time to get it built and flown by the first day of spring, March 20th in 2023. So um, there's a wing you know on their website they've got a wing list they've got the plan, uh, so you can cut out one of your own. Uh, I think Tony mentioned something about he. He had either built one or was building his out of foam. Um, yeah, you're welcome to give that a go as well. I think it'll be a lot of fun either which way just to kind of be part of that community um, and just kind of connecting with other people who are doing balsa, especially if you aren't familiar with it and you want to try it or at least kind of see what's going on. Uh, that's that To me, that's a great um, great excuse. Now, uh, their, their buddy who's with them on the podcast um, – What's his Dave? My Mike. Dave? No, it's Dave. Um, okay. He's apparently <laughs> he's oversized his motor and prop and all sorts of stuff. And he's like, I think it goes 150 miles. I don't know. It's crazy fast. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way he likes it. Um, but yeah, so it's a it's a model that I think that was designed specifically for electric. Uh, they have a little bit of history and stuff like that. So go take a look at the link on the website. Uh, join it if you can. Even if you don't do anything, go over and say hey. Um, they put together a really good podcast. It's one of the ones I cer- certainly is in the um, bi-weekly or weekly rotation for me. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, history segment. Yeah. I think we talked now, about an F-111, right? I don't really remember talking about it. When you asked me if I had done any research on it yet, I was like, that sounds familiar. So I don't remember <laughs> why we're doing this one. Um, cause we were talking about the F one seventeen, and I think whoever we were with at the time thought we had said the one seventeen, and the aardvark was like, that was a great model. You should do it. And you're like, yeah, we'll, we'll do some of that. I'll do that. You get the one seventeen, And, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't uh, at we, all. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe we go back and we'll, we'll, uh, review the footage. I'll do an okay. instant replay for you. I think Matthew's blowing smoke. I, I think he was just trying to. Uh, well, if you're listening way, uh, and you know what uh, timestamp uh, for the episode that we talked about it, uh, send it to Joe. Send it to Joe and I. <laughs> Matthew at Aviation yeah, Matthew RCNU. Matthew at Aviation RCNU. <laughs> <laughs> or Joe at Aviation RCNU. Um, so the F-111, General Dynamics F-111 Aardvark is a supersonic bomber. Um, I've only got a little bit of information on it because I was terrible and didn't do my history homework. Well, that's all right. Um, 
But it is now that I'm looking at a good image of it, like it's kind of iconic. Yeah. Um it's not that's not what I thought I was looking at when when I've seen those planes in the past. Okay. Uh cuz I think we got one out at Shaw. Um you might you might. So at at Shaw they've got the uh, previous airplanes that you know older ones that are mounted up on stands and they're they're Yeah. Painted up in their camo and you know their their engine ports and all like there's no engines in them but right um yeah, they're shells like but they still love them yeah they still look good um so yeah so one of the so what's exciting about this I don't know I'm kind of reading this as I go <laughs> okay um, <laughs> then well let's let's listen so uh it's a swept wing bomber now I don't know if this was one of the first or like how long swept wings have become a thing but as we know swept wings allow you to have uh maneuverability at high speeds but then also when you slow down to uh push push those wings out increase your wing area uh generate better lift for flying slower and also have better control mm-hmm. um this plane would fly from slow whatever slow was to uh Mach 2.5. I'll have to see if there's a... You keep sticking pictures in here. <laughs> All right, I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted you to have some reference and some inspiration as you talk, and I'm sorry. I did put it right at the front of it, so push everything I just, down. Yeah, you, like you keep pushing my text <laughs> right, further I'm down done. the page. He's sticking half-page <laughs> photos in here. Blueprints and everything. I didn't expect them to be that big. Anyway, my apologies. You're good. (laughs) I'm just like, where's my text? Keep going. Oh, man. Uh, So it is retired at this point, but it was a medium range multi-role combat. Um, It, I think it's primarily for bombing, though it may have filled some other roles and there were a variety of uh, variants. I'll try to look up some of those here a little bit. It was developed in the 1960s by General Dynamics and entered the service in 1967 uh, with the United States Air Force, the Royal Australian Air Force, and I believe the Royal Air Force for Britain uh, would pick mm-hmm. up some of these as well. Um, oh, look, it pioneered several technologies uh, for production of aircraft, including variable sweep wings. So they were yep. the first there, the afterburning turbo fan. So I guess that's where we get our afterburners from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, an automated terrain following radar. Yeah, as in, so basically it just said, wherever we're going, we're going to hang out at 100 feet above this. And that means that it went way below radar. So it was able to get in real quick and real, real low. Okay, so it was able to, it was able to fairly well uh, take the average, the average of the altitude that it was at over the land and Mm -hmm. kind of, let you know bring itself up or down to maintain a certain distance off the ground right automatically so the pilot that wasn't a pilot workload nice okay so and and you think that the f-14 tomcat pretty much is the smaller fighter version of this plane it does look that way it really pretty much is i mean it i'm just looking at i'm like i don't it, it it has all the all the features right the the tomcat had afterburner and had the sweep wing it was just a single pilot instead of multiple. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. 
working on pulling up. Tell, tell us more. A little more information. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> Chill. All right. Jeez, throw this thing on my lap last minute. Oh, this come on now. Up. Last minute, as in uh, a week ago. <laughs> uh, speaking of the variants, there was a variant B that was uh, supposed to be a fighter design, but was not ever, uh, not ever properly put into production. Uh, mm-hmm. Historical significance. It was first variable geometry wing. Um, that seems to be its main, uh, its main historical significance was that it kind of pioneered that that sweep wing. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, the the role for the F one eleven B, which was going to be that uh, fighter uh, variant, um, that's yeah. what the F fourteen Tomcat uh, was designed <laughs> and ended up filling the role of. Uh, see, variant C was the export for Australia. Uh, variant D was an, uh version A with newer Mark II avionics and some better engines and such. Uh, E was a simplified uh model D. Mm-hmm. Let's see. F was uh, called the Cadillac of the F-11, F-111 force, uh, whatever that meant. Um, well, it had all the oh, things, all the bells and all the whistles. Um, it was the final variant produced for tactical air command with a modern but less expensive uh, Mark IIB avionics system. Um Model F could reach Mach 1.2 at sea level on full afterburner. Yeah, so its speed would be altitude dependent too. Yeah. Um, yeah, the higher up, the faster you can go. Typically. Yeah, so enough about that stuff that I don't know about. Uh, let's it, talk about some statistics on it. It had forward-looking um, infrared. It had laser, laser designation systems for targeting. Look at you. See? Yeah, it has all sorts of good stuff. Um, it, matter of fact, if you, if you are watching the Maverick, a Top Gun Maverick, uh, they they use those to hit the box. Um, I hadn't seen it yet. We started. We you, saw the first few minutes. You, that's the important part in my mind. Yeah. Where, where, <laughs> where he goes, where am I? And the kid goes, Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was fun. Perfect. Um, yeah, I was kind of hoping that we'd have a. I was, uh, I was hoping we'd have a little bit more time to watch the rest of it. But D and D days are always crazy busy, fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was trying to look for these uh, these front facing uh, infrared and lasers you were talking about, but I think it's just going to uh, take too much it's time. It's to it's in the that. F model um, in the last paragraph there of the wiki. Oh, really? Yeah, it's called the FLIR. Uh, forward-looking infrared, and then laser designator system. So basically, it's a precise targeting system. So uh, you could you could look at it at whatever time of night or day using a thermographic camera. So you can kind of see things you normally wouldn't be able to see. And then laser designator was basically a targeting system that could keep keep your uh, remote basically keep a remote targeting for the mm-hmm. munitions as they came in and honed in on the target. As long as you kept the laser on it, it would go there. Okay. So, uh, and that's that's still some of the more ac- most accurate stuff. 
Uh, there is. I mean, you you and you can. It used to be you'd have somebody who's in the like a scout who's in the forward doing the laser targeting, and that targeting information should be sent to the munition. But um, if you could do it from your aircraft, it's even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's some pretty pretty really incredible stuff uh, for especially for the day. Yeah. Well, it, all these generally tend to be like they're just always pushing the envelope. Mm-hmm. Um, let's look at some specs. This is specifically the yeah. uh, 111F. So it's two man crew, uh, 73 and a half feet long with 63 foot wingspan. Uh, when the wings were in the sweat back position, the wingspan was 32 feet. So right. it almost cut the wingspan in half, right? Uh, bringing them in. 17 foot uh, high, 660 roughly square foot uh, wing area when spread, 525 when swept. Mm-hmm. Empty weight, uh, 47,200 pounds gross weight, which uh, was gross, like gas in it. Um, I should know this offhand. Um, yeah, I think it's it's fueled up and ready to go. Okay. Uh, gross weight, 82,800 pounds. So 82,800 pounds. Max takeoff was 100,000 pounds. Uh, power plant was using two Pratt and Whitney, uh, Tango Fox 30 Papa 100 afterburner turbofan engines, uh, 17,900 foot pounds, uh, pounds of force. Yeah, pounds of force or 80 kilonewtons. I don't know why I said foot pounds. That's all right. Uh, of thrust each, uh, 25,100 uh, pound force or 112 kilonewtons with afterburner. That's like an extra third. Like, it's, that's going to 150% with afterburners. Uh, 80 to 112 <laughs> is uh, 32. So that's that's a solid... Yeah. yeah, it's like it's yeah, it's around a third, thirty thirty percent increase. Let me get my calculator. Thirty two over eighty. <laughs> yeah, you, you know somebody's gonna be like, uh, it was specifically thirty seven percent. Point four. Okay. So forty percent. Nice. A solid boost, actually. Dude, yeah, that's a lot, man. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine hit the button and go? Wah! <laughs> <laughs> it's like when Punch I hit the, spo- the the power mode in my Prius. Yeah. Right. <laughs> nice. people make fun but that, that thing a haul all right well um, let's learn how fast this thing could go maximum speed uh 1434 knots uh at altitude or 1650 miles per hour or 2656 kilometers per hour um it maximum speed so that was at altitude uh, at sea level, 795 knots, 915 miles per hour, 1,472 kilometers per hour. Uh, that was Mach 1.2. Maximum speed was Mach 2.5. Range was 3,210 nautical miles. That's 3,690 miles or 5,940 kilometers. That's halfway um, across the globe. And then ferry range... It's the same. So the ferry range must have, uh, I guess ferry range was just like additional right. uh, distance. It seems to pick up an additional 3,200 nautical miles. Basically, it's say its range 
doubled with external drop tanks is what it looks like. Yeah, I think so. But that uh, ferry range is always weird. Uh, service ceiling, <laughs> 66,000 feet or 20,000 meter. Uh, it could withstand 7.33 positive Gs, specifically positive. Uh-huh. Um, rate of climb, 25,890 feet per minute or 131.5 meters per second yeah talk about unlimited vertical <laughs> just just it's just, a just rocket point it up just point it <laughs> just, up and hit the button point it up. and you'll be you'll be up at altitude in two two minutes sixty thousand feet two minutes for fifty thousand uh let's see what, what did i say the uh service service ceiling was sixty six thousand feet uh rate of climb yeah yeah two and a half minutes boy oh boy i mean Yikes. <laughs> that's all I got to say. That's moving. Oh, man, that's that's cruising. All right. Guns carried a single uh, 20 millimeter M61A1 Vulcan six-barreled Gatlin cannon in the weapons bay. Why does that sound like the one that is on the um, A-10? It, it might be. It's just... Uh, it's not a slow speed attack vehicle. So, you know what I mean? I mean, it is, but it's not. I think the difference is there's more oomph behind this thing than the A10 would literally be. They'd have to worry about how much they shot that or they would fall out of the sky. Uh, think, yeah, the, this was not this was not the A10's version. No. Okay. No. It was not no. quite as... Uh, what's a, yeah, that's okay. I was about it to was ask on the you... the FA-18. Ooh. Nice. Um, hard points had nine in total, eight under wing, one under the fuselage between the engines, plus two attach points in the weapon bays. Mm-hmm. The capacity of 31,500 pounds with provisions to carry combinations of. So these could be, basically all these would act as a hard point somewhere that they could attach to, so they carry a, a variety of things. Uh, AGM... Uh, 69 S Ram thermonuclear air to sur- uh, air to surface missile. Oh yeah, air to surface. I was like surface to air, so it could fire uh, <laughs> the, the air to surface nuclear thermonuclear missiles. Uh, and then a AGM 130 standoff bomb. Um, it's effectively a rocket boosted version of the GPU 15. Have to look some more into that. Yeah, uh, as far as bombs went, had the freefall general <laughs> purpose bombs, including the Mark 82, which was a 500 pound, uh, 227 kilogram, the Mark 83, which was worth 1,000 pound or 454 kilogram, the Mark 84, which was a 2,000 pound or 907 kilogram, and the Mark 117, which was 750 pound, 340 kilogram, carried cluster bombs. Um, which were, uh, bom- it was just a bunch of bombs inside a basically bullet shaped shell mm-hmm. that it could then, you know, bust open and spread them everywhere. Had the BLU 109 2000 pound hardened penetration bomb. Uh, f- I think they call those things more like the bunker busters. <laughs> yeah. For penetrating, especially down like under sand and then through concrete. Yeah. Uh, paveway laser guided bombs, uh, including a 2,000 pound, the GBU 500 pound, the GB 12, 
Um, and then a 4,800 pound penetrating. Yeah. One. Uh, yeah. GBU 28 penetration bomb. That's your bunker buster. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, had the BLU 107 Durandal runway cratering bomb. So a bomb specifically for uh, messing up people's runways. Mm-hmm. The GBU 15 electro optical bomb and the B61 or B43 nuclear bomb. So this one was amazing how many of our aircraft were capable of carrying our nukes. Well, at a certain point, it it's, we started. Uh, it is the deterrent. Smaller packaging, yeah, right. And if you can't uh, if you can't deliver the the deterrent package, then it's not a deterrent, is it? That's fair, and, <laughs> and I guess it. At the same time, the first bombs were massive, and then we got more efficient at packaging them. Yeah. Because you're talking uh, thermonuclear missiles. So right. the packaging has gotten rather small. I mean, you got to understand, like, what was it, the Tactical Fighter Experimental, the TFX, which is where this, this project began, started in 1960. So mm. the beginning... Um, the beginning of this project was what, 20 years, I think, before it was really brought to fruition? Um, first flight was 1964. The 111A was essentially flight tested through 90 uh, to through 73. So, yeah, it entered service, it looks like, in 1967. Officially, yeah. I'm just trying to see when when the B model or or the C model that were, yeah, it's in the 70s, 1973. So the C model was accepted in 1973. Well, hopefully that wasn't too boring to listen to. No, I I don't think it was. Uh, Do you see the picture of the all the munitions laid out? I did. (laughs) I thought while you're going through it, might as well take a look, because boy, oh boy, that's a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the things that's neat, the, the innermost, um, I'll call it munition pylon, would rotate with the wing. Right, so, to keep it uh, forward-facing in the wind. Right. Well, I mean, the other ones weren't, but but the one that was next to the fuselage um, went, mm. would, would rotate with the wing as it rotated. I wonder why the others didn't. It's not necessary, <laughs> I suppose. Um, I think a lot of them were probably, um, the, the mechanisms keep great complexity and that creates more maintenance. So unless you have to do it, don't bother. It looks like a lot of more kind of somewhat smart or, uh, even relatively dumb bombs. So all you had to do is drop them. Didn't matter what direction they, they were facing. I imagine it created more, more drag, but. That's what I say. I, I just see it being uh, just an air drag situation. Yeah. Well, cool. Here's a picture of a little paper model there. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you for going through that. I appreciate it. It's uh, yeah. Let, let's pretend I did an okay job at that. And, I uh, I think you did. I'm trying to remember who. Uh, I really think you're blowing smoke as to why this came No, up, man. Right? I'm trying to think of who the heck was our guest at, who we were talking to about it. And I was like, our no. Our guest? I mean, we haven't had a guest in a minute. Oh, come on now. That's not true. We talked to John Woodfield not too long ago. 
been a couple months. It's been a while. We need to get some more guests on. I think that'll be coming pretty soon here, though. <laughs> um, all right. So why don't we get right. on to the, the main topic? And again, I don't think uh, some of this stuff really hasn't changed a whole lot. Um, I, I still feel that your best get into the hobby transmitter when you're really on a tight budget. Uh, uh, transmitters are always buy what you can afford. Mm-hmm. And and stretch that if you can, because it it'll be worthwhile. The better of a transmitter you get, the longer it will hold with you in the hobby as you develop. Um, but the Flysky i6x um, is an excellent beginner transmitter. It's somewhere around fifty to sixty dollars. In general, it comes with a receiver. Yeah, you can. It's fully functional. I mean, it's as uh, functional as a radio master. I think the gimbals will, uh, are not as high quality. Um, and that means more that they will, will wear out a little bit sooner. But when you're talking about, we're t- you're talking about like years and years of operating it on a regular basis mm-hmm. where the gimbals might start to loosen up and, and wear out. Some of the, some of the bearings might kind of not be as maybe as smooth or whatever. Uh, it has a more plasticky feel because um, it's more uh, the plastics aren't as hardened and shiny. They don't have as much of the fit and finish as some of the other models. But it has an LCD screen. It has a full uh, you know model collection. You can do all the mixing, anything that any of these other transmitters can do. It it can get done. So it's very reminiscent of my Turnigy. <laughs> yeah. Although I see some uh, some turn knobs at the top that my turnage did not have. Yeah, some potential potentiometers. Um, yeah. And they have a number of you know two- and three-way switches. So, I, again, any beginner model, I mean, really, that should suffice you for years in the hobby. Um, the trend, that's the other thing is the receivers are inexpensive. They're between 15 to 20 bucks, I think, per. And so that way you can get a small handful of them and have a, a small fleet ready to go. At all times. And those receivers actually go up to 10 channels. They sure can. Um, So if you're building a more complex model, you can still use that same transmitter with a far more integrated model where if you have flaps and landing gear and maybe you want your canopy to actuate on a switch, you can do all that, Um, especially with the 10 channel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's all quite possible. 10 channel would open up individual individual ailerons, mm-hmm. uh, elevator, rudder. Uh, you could have individual flaps, mm-hmm. your throttle. That's seven. You'd have LEDs. You have LEDs. That's eight. All right. I mean, if you have like one of those LED modules, it'll you probably mm-hmm. put it on a switch, and depending on what PWM, PWM signal comes in, you set that to a potentiometer. You could. Uh, so a couple different things. Um, if you had retracts. That's what I'm saying. Is that, yeah, if you have gear that retracts, yeah. you could have the doors on one. You could have the gear on another. You know, so I they op- really think about the doors because yeah. I, I just think of like the the gear having its door on it. So when it closes up, it. Right. But um, a lot of times when you when you're getting kind of fancy, those doors actuate first. Then there's a pause, and then the gear comes out. 
And then sometimes okay. they close back up depending on the model. So look at that. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's talking individual ailerons and individual flaps, which we're not, I mean, generally if we're running flaps, we just take our ailerons and yeah, kind of aim, aim them down a little bit. So like, it's not yep. 10 channels is a lot of channels. Uh, you can also build a bare bones um, Hercules with eight motors and individually address each location, each motor. Theoretically, <laughs> at least with the 10 channel. Yeah. You yeah, know, you could, because if you don't need rudder, cause you're going to have differential, uh, all you need is elevator and aileron. That's two channels. That's all you need. Yeah. <coughs> Having spoken from messing with Eternity and that, that screen gives me very much the Eternity vibes. <laughs> yeah. Um, mixing can be interesting in that menu interface. Mm-hmm. So watch your videos. You can do just about anything you want to do. Yeah, there'll be some learning. Um, it's 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 just yeah, some some mental acrobats to get it done. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, otherwise, I would say if you can, um, any of the Radio Master kind of four in one multi. I've got the T sixteen. Uh, I've seen people love T6. that one. It's just it's an excellent. It's one that you can do anything in the hobby you want, pretty much. Um. You can buy uh, toy models, and they'll they'll link up with this thing. Um, they'll all work out great. So I urge you to do that. To me, that's one of the best ways to get in. Um, you found a way to hook into the sim without needing um, like a dongle. I can't remember how you did it, but I know right. there's a way to do that, which means it's a no-cost version. Now, I bought a dongle for an extra 20, and that allowed me uh, – that allows me to connect um, – at least with uh, Phoenix RC, uh, without mm -hmm. any issue, and Phoenix RC costs nothing. So, really, for the what seventy dollars, you you have a SIM and a transmitter and a way to connect it to your computer. The transmitter comes with a receiver, so when you build a plane, you can fly it. Now, I'll say when I connected mine, I was connecting to Radio Master, and the Radio Master specifically, <coughs> when you hook it up to a computer via the USB can serve as a USB joystick type interface. Right. So and you don't there need was the in between so right. Then there was an in-between software that you use to basically rebuild the transmitter in the computer. Okay. So that wouldn't work with a fly sky. You'd have to have the dongle probably. Yeah. So uh so know that depending on what sim you're going for, like the real flight I still have yet to get my newest real flight to really work with any of my transmitters. The old one, I needed the dongle, and that's been wearing out. So I'm really kind of disappointed with real flight at the moment, but it's a great simulator. Um, you can buy it with, uh, what is it, Tactics or something, or it comes with a Spectrum. And it's, so that's a full receiver, and it comes with that, or a full transmitter uh, that you can use out in the field. Uh, it'll cost you a lot more, though. Um, and each receiver costs a heck of a lot more than um, the FlySky would. So in my mind, your best bet would be the FlySky i6X. Uh, if you can afford more, um, go with one of the RadioMaster or Jumper brands um, and full-size full ones, not like the kind of – I've got the T8SG, the Jumper T8SG, and it's like a, it's like a medium size, not quite like a little toy but a little bit bigger but not quite a full-size one. 
that's great for little kids. I mean, if you're looking to get it in for little kids, that's that's perfect because it's better for their hands. Um, and then, you know, if you've got more than one transmitter, you can always buddy box. So mm-hmm. um, to me, that that's the best way to get started. Uh, as far as what kind of models, um, I, I enjoy the building. So for me, getting started with flight test on a nickel <laughs> was excellent. Um, but it does take some perseverance and some, uh, level of dedication to having joy and interest in the building and the learning that goes with all that. Um, you can get a power system for very inexpensive, maybe $25, you know, the orange can, very cheap stuff. It'll get you started. Um, and eventually if you go, okay, I really enjoyed this. Um, you can then start upgrading your power systems. Uh, and you don't need much, right? You need like one and you could swap it between your planes. Um, but if you want to get the ready to fly stuff where you don't have to think about it, then you can go to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher any of the make, uh, but the Aero Scout, uh, I can't remember what the, it's a horizon hobby brand, uh, whatever that is, uh, the Aero Scout. And then there's, um, the Timber Timber's another one. That's a trainer, basically big trainer Tundra plane. So it's got big bouncy wheels, uh, so you can kind of land anywhere. Um, and it just, it flies real docile. I think it has a, a stabilizer built in. Same with the AeroScout. Um, it will, it, you, so you can go in a, like if you take your hands off the controls because you panic because you're new, it will level it out at least horizontally. And it will try to bring it to within a couple degrees of horizontal, like a level as far as general level flight. Um, same with the timber. Um, and they'll have like, so it's like safe technology. Um, and they'll have a gyroscope, so it'll combat any wind. So it makes it easier to just concentrate on flying. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are really good examples of, um, great beginner models. They, they do cost, um, ready to fly prices, which is 250 to 350. Again, that's on top of your transmitter. Most people getting started. If you're willing to spend that, that's a great way to get started. You can, if you just have $100 and you want to just get in in an all-in-one kind of deal, I think it might be 100 or 120 the HobbyZone Sport Cub 2S, ready to fly. It's, uh, the caveat with that is it's small. And it's like a, almost like a UMX style um, plane. So like they're two gram servos. They're really small, really light, um, kind of paper thin foam. But, but... It has a stabilizer. It has safe. Um, it has all the tools you need to get started. The only thing is that it's very tiny, and it's uh, you can't fly too far away. You'll it'll turn into spec uh, really quick, and you also have to go on very calm days. So you can't just go out and hope. Like the the Aero Scout will be able to fly, and the same with the Timber. And almost any as long as it's not like the, the thunderstorm coming in, right? Like as long as it's not like that kind of weather. Um, mm-hmm. but it can fly in some wind and it can take some general conditions. Whereas the hobby zone sport cub, a uh, little two S will not, uh, it will not take that, but I've seen people who have that and they fly it and it's, it's a joy. Um, you can also go with the UMX Radian. Uh, the Radian's just a glider. And to me, uh, gliders allow you, it's easy to either turn off the throttle and all you're concentrating in is one stick at a time, right? 
you can concentrate on elevator and rudder and just worry about the one hand and not worry about the throttle. Um, and then when you get closer, you can kind of turn on the throttle and climb back up and you have a little bit more stick time with it. That's one of the things I really like about that. Um, any of the gliders really, uh, or you could keep the throttle at a kind of low, you don't need much and just let it go. That's part of what I like about, we talked about what FT models were good beginner models. I think we both, I'll, I'll have you go through your list. I mean, we, I think they'll probably overlap a lot. Um, mm -hmm. For me, it's the FT old fogey because it's, again, one of those ones you set to a really low throttle and you just have fun with it with the one stick and you just go fly it and you can fly it for 20 minutes. And so you can get really comfortable with it coming and going mm -hmm. um, and really get into actually getting your brain wrapped around how to fly. And then from there, you can upgrade you know, to a different model with a little bit more capability. Um, again, going in the, I think, the, I think the simple soar, like a, a modified simple soar, the one that has like a, a wooden piece in the center of the spar. So it doesn't, the wing doesn't crack on you. Um, I think that's a great model to start with too. I didn't really believe it. You know, when I built mine, I was like, no, I can't, it's too big, but bigger is better. Um, yeah. it's a lot more docile to the wind. The wind doesn't really carry it around as much as smaller ones. It's not as twitchy. Um, so it's easier to kind of, um, learn with it. Uh, so the simple sort to me, cause you, you get a lot of sick time, you get a lot of battery time and it's only, you only need, you only need to set up for one stick. So you can really and concentrate on getting that. Once you have that, then you can go to something else that requires some throttle with that, or maybe put in a nail around. And really, I think if I had more stick time just on any plane, I'd be more confident. Right. You know, just just the knowledge or the just just the plane being up there and you remote controlling it. Mm -hmm. There's whether it's fast or can do various things or whatever. Yeah. Like just being able to have it up there and fly it around, whatever the plane is, the stick time. Yep. And the old fogey, I used to get plenty of stick time, but not many other planes that I get a ton of stick time before batteries yeah. were depleted yeah. or, you know, I, I doinked it. Right. And then that's, I mean, that's the big thing. That's part of why those ready to fly models are great beginner planes because they're, they're simple. They help beginners uh, with the typical mistakes and they give you plenty of time on the stick. So and in that same vein for me, uh, the Explorer. Uh, part of what I like about the Aero Scout and the Explorer is that they have the the propeller as a pusher behind the cockpit, like behind the wing. Okay. Um, and what I like about that is the hardest thing I found when I started was you, you bought the cheap, um, I'll, I'll call it cheap, but it's more inexpensive uh, power kits. And the props that they have are not robust. They will snap on a dime pretty much. If they touch the ground, they're probably going to break. Um, so, but they're inexpensive and you could buy like, you know, 20 of them for 10 bucks kind of deal. Um, uh, but you just need to be ready to replace a ton of props as you learn. So with the Explorer and with the Aero Scout, the prop is behind the wing and it's above the fuselage. So unless you've rolled the plane completely, uh, you're really... You're less likely to damage your prop. Uh, good, good luck bust in your prop, honestly. So, I mean, what you have to do is maybe replace the front of the plane, but it, it'll still fly. I mean, as long as you I mean, really haven't destroyed it. 
unless theirs does like your Tony the Tiger Explorer <laughs> did or Scout yeah, where did fine. You know, the motor just like completely came unglued and That's probably a Scout. Yeah, I don't, I don't think scout. that's Yeah, the Tony's still still chucking. Uh it just but I it was it was the Tony like, the Tiger. All right. Uh did it? remember we were we were flying at Patriot Park here in Sumter. <laughs> well, it could be. Yeah, it could be that it, it came unglued because it got super hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. you got to watch the heat. <laughs> but but the Explorer itself, honestly, the, the FT Explorer, it's a really great, it's almost a glider um, in how docile it is. And so, and it's you can set it up with, you know, two channel or three channel or, or four channel and it protects the prop and it really, you can configure it a couple different ways and you can set up different wings because, uh, again, you're building them. So I, I think those are – you just have to reinforce the wings on the Simple Soar and the Explorer with, like, um, a, a wooden dowel would probably be more than enough. Uh, or, or you had a big okay. pops of a big tongue depressor across the very top, and that was enough. Yeah, so with my, with my Simple Soar, um, I took the big, fat tongue depressors. Mm-hmm. And use that to span, yeah. Uh, to span that dihedral, yeah. And and the reason why I recommend that is because when you're new, you're going into a dive and you're going, oh no, and you panic and pull back on the stick. If you're doing it right, you pull back on the stick with the elevator so it comes out of the dive. But you're going to do you it fold for, your wings <laughs> and you do it really quick, and that puts a lot of stress on that center joint. And you will fold those wings uh, as they're designed. But if you put that. Uh, a piece of wood along the very top of that spar, it will take the compression load and distribute it further along the wing and it will be fine. And so as long as you do those, as long as you do that, you're good to go. Um, what about you? What was, what were your FT? Okay. Uh, I wasn't sure tests? how many of those you were going to chew up. Uh, well, those are the, the three whole, that I know I grabbed. Uh, when we were yeah. Talking. So if, if I had somebody new, I'd be <laughs> recommending the old fogey. Absolutely. Uh, the Delta. Mm-hmm. Largely, the the thing with the Delta is it was fast to build. Um, it was a little, little hairy to fly, but it was definitely fast to build. So that's a nice one to, to try it and get out there. Um, it's fast to build. It's easy to replace. Mm-hmm. I just haven't built it since the first one. <laughs> yeah. um, the old fogey. Is I I don't have one built now, but I I want to always have an old fogey. Yeah. Um. The simple soar. Um. I see people using the nutball. Um. I see nutballs all over the place at flight fest. They seem simple. People do some crazy things with them. The construction's dumb simple. It's it's just on the level of the delta. Yeah, like, I've not flown it, but pe- uh, it seems dead simple to fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it survives combats, and they stay in the air for stupid amounts of time. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. um, which, which is a plus when you're learning. And you you put the Spitfire on the list here, um, because I, when somebody's excited and they want to fly a Warbird, because everybody wants to fly a Warbird or a Jet or something, it does fly well. It would definitely not. It's it, a beginner much, Warbird. Yeah, in as much as we want to recommend them uh, to newer pilots, I think they need a 
you know, two or three others under their plane, under their belt, and have some stick time, and then go for the Spitfire. Absolutely, because right. love that bird. Yeah, I, I would have to say maybe your second plane. Like once you can do circuits comfortably, in whatever mm-hmm. you've chosen to start with, then you could you could build a Spitfire, and I think you'd have a, a lot of fun with it because it it is agile. It is a warbird. It flies great. But it's it can it be gentle. It looks great. It looks great, and the, and like it's you, not hard. to You build. feel good flying it, watching yeah. it fly around. Right, and it's not crazy hard to build. It looks like it might be, but it, it, the it's not as bad as it looks. No, so yeah, not nearly. Uh, any other ones that you recommend, or, or uh, even even if it's just like a ready to fly model? You sorry, like everybody says that this one's amazing. Yeah, no, I don't know. Ready to flies. Um, another one would be. I, I didn't add it, but the easy kits. I'm too cheap for that. I know, right? <laughs> That's okay. Uh, the FT easy kits. Um, okay. The, the so f- what, oh, the easy. Now, what's special about those? Well, uh, so it's basically the little freight. It's like a Cessna C-130. There's a lot of variants of that thing. It's basically two little uh, can motors with tiny little props, and that's literally all it is. It's a battery. It's a control board, and it's two pusher props. So being a pusher means you're not going to bust the props, right? And then it's got a it's got a gyroscope, so it levels out and it controls uh, what you're doing. Now, what I like about those is one, um, it's two sticks, so your throttle controls your elevation, and you have an aileron, which is basically a differential uh, thrust on the motors. So you have most of the basic controls. Um, and once you kind of dial in the throttle, you can get your hand off and all you're literally doing is controlling it with one stick. But much like the, the Sport Cub that's tiny, these planes are also tiny and they don't have a lot of thrust behind them. So on a windy day, it's, it's going to be difficult. But the gyroscope does give you a fighting chance. Um, and the other thing is it's a tiny little battery, but the battery lasts like almost 20 minutes. Like wow. legit. Um, and so it gives you the stick time. And what that's super helpful for is when that, that first flight where you don't know left from right, you know, when it comes back at you mm-hmm. and you have to kind of turn around to kind of get your orientation right in the beginning, <laughs> getting your orientation right is it, you, it gives you a lot of practice doing that. So it's a great first plane in the sense mm-hmm. that it'll give you plenty of time to get your left and your right and get your brain wrapped around that. And then if you go to something like a, the other ones we talked about, that'll give you plenty of stick time for traditional control systems. So you'll at least go, okay, now, I, now I've got left and right. Now I've got the controls kind of set up. I can do a practice enough to get circuits and you have enough time with the sticks. Then you can move to stuff like uh, the FT Spitfire or the FT Mustang, both great warbirds. Um, the great starter planes as far as when you start to get into the more complex stuff. Um, so I would say the FT easy and it's also inexpensive for $50. You get the transmitter, you get the battery, you get, it's an all in, all inclusive and it's okay. super light. So it's easy. It's easy to transport. You kind of keep it with you. Um, you can plug those batteries into USB on your computer, <laughs> you know, to charge them. Mm-hmm. So it, may, it makes it easy uh, to literally easy to get started. And, and enjoy them. And then 
uh, as we learned with the stem tents and the stuff with, with flight test, you can take those, the power systems and get rid of the plane and design your own and have fun designing your own plane. And they have a bunch of kit ideas and stuff. So you can build uh, inexpensive variations on it too. So it's not like you're kind of stuck with what you're given. You can do more with it. All right. So Um, that brings us to what? Predictions? I mean, does that cover getting started? I I think it does. I mean, the other thing you're going to need, you're going to need a LiPo charger. And the batteries, right? And mm-hmm. I think those are those are the big, big things. You need a plane, you need the power plant. And again, we we've got a podcast dedicated to all the information about all of those. Um, but it's like you get a transmitter, get a plane. You're going to need the the charger to be able to charge the batteries. Um, I mean that's enough to really kind of get in the air and get started. And more, more most importantly, find a friend. Yeah, I wish I had somebody here who enjoyed building and flying. Yeah, uh, out in your town. Yeah, like you, I got plenty. You, you got me, man. Yeah, yeah, two and a half hours away. I appreciate that. Well, I, you know, I um, done it when I can. I know. I, I mean, I've got people that I've taken flying <coughs> before, and you know, they ooh and ah, and that's great. But you know, it's not their hobby. Like they, yeah. they think it's awesome, but they're not going to do it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to find. It's hard to convert. You know, a lot of yeah. people that's well, not now, that's not a time and money investment they're uh, available to have. Years ago, Sumter had a flying club. Yep. Um, you know, and it was literally right off a of shawl, um, like right outside the gate. But times being what they are, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so predictions for this year. Now, this is for us, and this is more. Excuse all that chair noise. Uh, this is more just what we'd like to try to accomplish for ourselves in the hobby right. in this coming year. Um, I'll kind of go ahead and go, and this section need not be terribly long. Biggest one for me is just going to be to fly more. Mm-hmm. Fly more and build a little more. Um, and by a little more, I've got quite the standing order over there. So if I do what I'm wanting to do i'll have built more than i've ever built before um at this point i'm getting out every two or three months to fly and then i'll have like a a battery worth of flight (laughs) so right i need to get out more so so i'm hoping it it makes it hard right now with it getting dark so early well yeah winter time makes uh the only way to do that is to plan on a weekend morning Mm-hmm. and go out like plan the night before have everything kind of ready except for the batteries wake up start charging a couple batteries you need and then when that's done that's when you go it's not easy but uh that's probably your best bet into making sure you do that at least during the during the dark what i ought to do is see if i like pull google maps and have a look around my work and see if i see anything that Anywhere that looks like I could fly. Yeah. And then rather than trying to be like, oh, man, sure, I could fly on the evenings, but already, I mean, at this point, because I drive almost an hour and a half to work, they are right. very long days. My wife's not going to be too keen on me. I'm going to fly after work. Yeah, you know? You're not going to be able to. But, but if I appeal out and get, you know, 
30 minutes on a flight field. Yeah, you know, even if it's times a, a week. If it's a battery every every couple of days on the before you head home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I mean that's a big thing. So what's been kind of keeping you from flying more frequently at the moment in the last, you know, six months? Planes built and um time. Okay, so just, just actually committing and you know and following through and being dedicated on it. You know, I could easily mm-hmm. say I got a new job, but that doesn't take up my weekends. But there are other mm. things that we're doing on the weekends, and then just well, being you gotta, tired and being lazy. Yeah, you well, know, you gotta you gotta live life, right? I mean, <laughs> that, that's uh, that's part of it, and that's okay. That's uh, you know, um, I, what I found when I flew more often, it was because I had um, a passenger seat size plane mm-hmm. that. I had enough batteries and everything was set up in it. So all I literally had to do is charge batteries and go fly. That's what I used to do with the fogey. (coughs) So I did the same thing with the arrow, uh, FT arrow. And I, I really can't, uh, recommend that one enough as well. The fogey is a big plane, um, where the arrow is small. Uh, I think your skills are good enough where you can enjoy flying the arrow. Uh, you don't have to jam it at full throttle, but boy, it's a lot of fun. (laughs) <laughs> um, or the goblin. I, I think when you get the, um, um, what is the one you just were working on? Uh, flirkin. Ah. I think when you get the flirkin, it'll have that same kind of feeling. If it's, if it's small enough where you can easily put it in the front seat of your car and have it ready to go, I think you'll, that might be, that might be what it is for you. But mm-hmm. one of those kind of birds, like you said, an old fogey, something like that, where you can like, all I need is one battery because that'll be plenty enough. Like it'll give me enough time to enjoy it. Yeah. I'm not looking to get my heart racing. I'm just looking to go out and, you know, fly and relax a little bit on a lunch break. Right. Well, I mean, now you've got the simple sort too. That fits, that fits long ways in a passenger seat as a guy who knows. Yeah. But I, I can't put things in the passenger seat cause I think I've spent so much time in my car. Yeah. So more of what needs to happen in I put my car in the shop tomorrow, which means when we're done recording, I've got to go out and clean my car out. Yeah. But I put my car in the shop tomorrow to fix where I got rear-ended and sandwiched. Good. I'm glad. So I'll, in a couple weeks, (laughs) whenever they're done, (laughs) I'll have the back door back. Nice. So I'll be able to access the rear of my car again, in which case I can lay a seat down and stow. Yeah. Yeah, the simple sore there. So, um, other things I want to finish the speed build kits. I want to see how many of those speed build kits I can get built before Flight Fest. Now, not necessarily built and flown. No, built. you should fly them. Come on. I don't even have a motor for them right now. Uh, we'll fix that. I promise I we'll fix it. I'll fix it. I just got to order one. Um, I want to build, uh, build the, uh, what Jetworks RC the F sixteen that I mm-hmm. out, out of Depron yeah you know since since we spent all that money on Depron need to do it and then <laughs> I've got the Eclipson Model B and the Eclipson Model V Victor so wait so that's uh, some three D printing stuff that is three D printing all right but I'm still struggling with the three D printer you and I've been. Mm-hmm. Talking about the yeah. troubles and the woes <laughs> you're, I've been you're having not the only one we have a three D printing uh, channel. Um, and I've, uh, we're, again, we were talking, I was talking to Jesse the other day 
Oh, nice. That's cool. Um, and he, <laughs> he was like, oh my gosh, my printer. <laughs> He's having similar kind of woes at the moment. He just bought a new printer. He to did, deal but with he was hoping to, printer problems. yeah, but he was hoping to do all sorts of cool stuff. And he's like, oh, this thing is not working. He said he almost bricked, uh, bricked the whole thing. The, the new one? Yeah, I think so. I don't know if it was a new one. I think it was the, he was doing something with the old one because he knew the new one's coming, I think. Okay. Well, but, the good news is even if he screws up the firmware, you can still flash new firmware, which we need to do for you. Yes, we do. All right. And um, I'm going to have to watch a video on how to do it again because I done forgot. Okay. I know. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's why they make the video, so you don't have to remember it all. Um, good. That's right. Um, so, and, yeah, I've got the Eclipse Model B, which is basically like the Cub kind of style. Yes. And then the Model V, which is a, a glider. Okay. And, man, I was looking, and I saw a Spitfire somewhere, a 3D printed Spitfire that was beautiful mm-hmm. with with uh, uh, retracts. Baby, um, <laughs> yeah, I, it was everything I could do not to hit the buy on that one, but I can't even get my Model B printed, so wouldn't do me a whole lot of good right now. I guess first things first, right? <laughs> yeah, it's easy to plus, put the cart before the horse, but you know. Well, plus that Spitfire was going to need like another three hundred dollars in electronics, so yeah, that's yeah. I keep looking at the F thirty five B uh VTOL model and I'm like oh I cannot look at that. I cannot even look at it because there's so the the electronics cost alone is significant. Mm-hmm. Um, but boy oh boy I'm looking forward to the day uh I, I want to build that model. That's a, the F thirty five is a beautiful bird. We'll have to cover that in history at some point. Um anyway for you this year and then we'll work on getting <sighs> out of here. Me. All right. Well, I've got, you know, I've actually written out what I've noticed is this year, um, I know me enough to know if I do not make a list, the projects meander and squirrel uh, a lot more than normal, if that if that's even hard to believe. So at this point, I'm going to start creating uh, lists so I can start continue to tackle the, the projects and bring them through to... A successful flight. Nice. Um, so that's my pledge to myself. Um, I do want to do some 3D flying. I want to learn how to do that. So learn how to do the Harriers and the, the hovers and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to start with light foam. I'm going to start with the foam. Um, I'm probably going to build the FT3D. Uh, I was told that it doesn't have the kind of mass that's helpful, um, but it's a good model in general. Um, it just, it could use to be a little bit heavier, so it's not as affected by the wind. Um, 3D printing, I want to 3D print some planes this year, and I want to build a couple balsa models. I've got a couple on my list, so they they need to get done. Um the 3D printer models, I wanna I want to do the U2 Dragon Lady and the Quickie. And those are, I think, RC 3D Print Lab. Um, I also want to get my like that's like early this year. I want to get two or three FPV systems set, ready, and make them so they're swappable. 
Oh, wow. So I can put FPV on whatever I've got and know that it's solid and good. I want to do more FPV flights. And with that, the the piggyback on that is once that's set, I'm, I want to do, I want to have one or two long range models. And I'm thinking the, dra- the Dollar Tree Dragon is a perfect long range flyer. Um, Cause it, it has a lot of payload. It can go really far, really fast. It's got FPV kind of built in. It seems simple. And I want to do some long range flights with that. Um, even if I built, even if I like make a 180% version of it where it gets ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. And then I've got, uh, I would like to probably take the quickie and using the quickie build for, for the kit, using the build uh, manual, I want to take that and build a fiberglass model using hot wire, uh, hot wire cutting of the foam and sheeting it with, with fiberglass and create basically a quickie from that. Um, so that's kind of my, and it's a, it's a pretty lofty goal, I guess. Um, but I've been watching more and more. I'm like, I need to do this. I have the materials. I've purchased them. They're ready. Um, so it's. I mean, having the materials on hand, ready to go. It's a big plus. So yeah, that's that's a big part of the time. Yeah, and the money. <laughs> well, yes, yeah. it's, it's not cheap either. Um, but it's <laughs> literally when, where the money's at. Uh, but once you have it, uh, a, you know you can do a lot with it before you have to go and resupply. Um, I, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about what we want to do with the, the, uh, with the podcast next week. Um, Red Jensen is on that list. If you have not been following what he's been up to, he's been making leaps and bounds on his, uh, racer. It, it looks beautiful. I urge you to go over there and take a look. Okay. It's um, about time for us to have him on again. Yeah, we're closing in on it. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, I'm going to also... Even as, we're, even as we're quote unquote closing in on it, with him closing in on what he's doing, his time becomes exponentially more valuable as well. Right. Yeah. And I want to have the the B2 the B2 bomber uh, from the, the, the Depron version. I want to have that built. Just like you want to have the... F-16 done, I want the B-2 bomber completed and flying. I don't no, want it I, to be flown. I want it to be flying. I know that I've got... I know that there are plans and that those sheets are big, but I may I may take that uh, take one sheet of that Depron, $20 a sheet as it is. It's not, it's may, not $20 a sheet. I got five, I got five sheets for 100 bucks, didn't I? No, you got twice as many. There's ten sheets in there. Yeah. Oh, it looks like better. it looks like there's five, but they're actually folded over. You, okay, you'll see. I, yeah, there's they're like ten. I know I didn't okay. shortchange you. I've got ten. No, 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 I knew you didn't shortchange <laughs> me. I yeah. knew you gave me half. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's like but, ten sheets. So okay, yeah, a well, lot. fair enough. Good. Then, then they're only ten ten dollars a sheet. Great. I'll take one and make <laughs> a uh, make like a. Uh, an arrow or something the flying yeah. wing yeah because i've i've got that flying wing still up i mean you here you can see it yeah right up there I know, you but know. it was that it was that three millimeter stuff and it was trying to build it out of a limited like a small amount of board i got you so i'll do it out of the the 
you know, thicker stuff. <laughs> if you're building a small wing, uh, build it with F. Plan to have it built with FPV. Because uh, as a guy who's flown the little ones, I've got a couple really tiny ones, and they're awesome. They're fun. They're fast, but they turn into a speck of dirt in the sky, awful <laughs> quick. And orientation is incredibly difficult. But if you're like uh, 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 Jay, oh my God, why am I blanking on his name? You saw my fly fest a ton. Oh my God, uh, Kennedy, Jay Kennedy. Um, mm. His stuff, he's always doing FPV. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's no big deal. With FPV, you, there's no orientation loss. Right. Um, so, and it's that's just where am I? Right. And as we do the FPV, uh, remember, we talked to the video area systems guy. And uh, I have those antennas. I'm looking to start putting them to use with the FPV. And with that, uh, once the signal, as I understand it, the signal should get uh, much clearer. I would definitely want to have, uh, I want to have him on. As part of the pie, we'll talk about that later, but I want to have him on so we can talk about how to create solid signals between uh, your your parts and pieces. Because okay. that guy, that guy knows, he knows his stuff. He knows his stuff, backwards and forwards. So anyway, um, I'm going to rattle off a list of, if you're interested in 3D planes, and you want to print your own because you have a printer and it's been intriguing you, there is an increasingly larger and larger list of, we'll call it manufacturers or designers that have made mm -hmm. a set, more than just one plane. Um, and I'm going to rattle these off. And you look up their name, there's there's websites for each one of these. Um, one of the first ones was Eclipsen and 3D, I think 3D Plane Print or uh, planeprint.com. Then there's 3D Print Lab. They're one of the first ones. Uh, I think they're out of Austria. Uh, RC 3D Print. There's 3D Aero Venture. There's Kraga. And there's Owl Plane. I urge you to go. And, and if you're looking at um, tips and tricks on how, what to do or how to work with them, the Troy McMillan uh, YouTube channel he goes through a lot of how to print with lightweight PLA. A lot of these have uh, extensive information on how to basically have success with their models, right? That's and that's important. But mm -hmm. he he goes through because he's printed, he's made his own. He's printed Eclipsen. He's done 3D Lab print a bunch of these different manufacturers. He's printed their planes and used their files, and he's got tips and tricks and comments about how to have success, at least how he's had success. Um, so I would urge you to kind of, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, look at what he has to go through. Um, and it's, it's pretty incredible. And I'm eager to see how, when you get yours working and what I can get mine working, um, how our first planes kind of get together and fly. Right. Well, I had to order in some CA glue for mine. Yeah. Um, so I've got that in now. Oh, good. I'm glad it's in. All right. All right. Um, anything else? Not tonight. All right. Let's work on getting out of here. Guys, as always, we thank you for tuning in and listening. Hopefully you've enjoyed listening to this conversation as much as Matthew and I have enjoyed having it. As always, if you have any questions, thoughts, comments, concerns, 
anything else, feel free to reach out to us. You can reach us at aviationrcnoob at gmail.com. You can reach Matthew at Matthew at aviationrcnoob.com, or you can reach me, Joe, at aviationrcnoob.com. Swing by the Discord server and join us. Uh, link will be in the, uh, as Matthew Colville would say, link will be in the doobly do. Yep. Doobly do. He usually points uh, down, so you know yep. where to look. Uh, feel free to swing by the Facebook group. Yeah, we're a group now, not a page. Uh, I think we're uh, both, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're both, but go to the group because it's just easier to interact in that environment. Even though we've not been doing a ton with it, we thank you uh, to those who have been moving over for moving over. And something we did not do on the front end of this episode, we like to thank our patrons uh, for their continued support. Thank uh, you. Financially. And we want to thank everybody who continues to tune in every week and support us uh, just by listening and just tuning in and listening and Matthew and I knowing that you guys are here listening to what we, whatever it is we're going to talk about. And it still blows our minds that you guys want to listen to us. That just continues to encourage us. So thank you very much. I thought we were encourageable. (laughs) (laughs) They said incorrigible. <laughs> I think that's how you pronounce it. It is. That's, I was saving okay. for that. I think I missed. <laughs> oh man! Well, if you've got nothing else, no, I got. That's bye, all I guys. got for today. We'll catch y'all next time. All right. Bye. Bye. streak i think boy my hair is fantastic tonight what the heck uh you know it's gonna be what it is you turn your webcam on uh, no you get nothing in like it mister <laughs> I, didn't, I had no idea that it was off really that i can make fun of your hair oh, no nope. that cow lick oh there it is yep it's awful <laughs> uh, i got i got my i got the headphones covering it all up I had an epiphany. I'm, I said, I've got these 17 gram servers. I got to switch out in, um, um, what is that big, big guy in this special K. And then I realized those nine gram servos would be a great replacement for the one that's in the HR seven, the HRC seven, the one that wasn't working. So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, let me replace that. And I did. And now I've got the HRC seven ready to go. And, and the special K. Look at you. Well, let's uh, see what we can do about keeping this one kind of short. We say that every time. We always say that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see if we can get into it. Uh, I'm, we're going to call this uh, 2023 Hodgepodge. Mm, I don't know how I feel about that, but.